0: We, we know of new methods of attack. The Trojan Horse. The Fifth Column. Column. Column.
1: Column. column. Hello, ladies and the gentlemen. Welcome to the Fifth Columns. I am your host, your name. Like All right. Now it's Michael Moynihan, <laughs> one of the three hosts of the Fifth Column, with my... Colleague uh, Matt Welch from Reason magazine, and the reason for the Greek man coming from Mykonos. Camille Foster still on vacation because he's rich and bourgeois and better than you and better than me. Camille, is it true that you're poolside?
2: I am. I am poolside in Mykonos right now. Uh, just left. Just left. Just left Lindsay Lohan's fancy party, uh, and uh, feeling quite good.
1: This is not the fancy party, my friend. Um, And and the vacation, have you taken a break from all of the hideousness of American politics? Are you still reading? And you can talk to us about this today.
2: I was taking a break until you guys uh, let everything go to shit over there. Um, And I've I've been getting (laughs) emails and phone calls. Oh, could you could you please come explain uh, why people are so angry uh, and why it's not such a big deal? Um, Just just nonstop. Uh, I keep telling them no, uh, but uh, I, I like talking to you guys. This is this is fun for me,
0: Camille. I think you were the glue holding America's fragile uh, sense of peace and tranquility together. Were and were. Uh, and once you leave, <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. You leave the country and people just shooting at each other. Yeah, uh, today, the, President Obama, we're doing this on a Tuesday, uh, uh, said that we're all you know if we're honest with ourselves, we're all racists. Um, and this type of stuff. So, um, that is I, a, a would re-
2: store from uh, Avenue Q. Everyone's a little oh, bit Oh yeah, good. Exactly. So, if okay. I were
1: the New York post, I would that headline. Obama admits he's racist or something like that. <laughs> like, you know, we're all a bit, a bit racist. Um, did did you, Matt, did you see the, uh, the, I assume Camille didn't because he's, he's doing better things and swimming and doing all that stuff.
0: Nope. Um, did you see the Obama? I watched parts of it and I, I don't, uh, generally, uh, spend a lot of time, uh, marinating in my own Obama hatred, uh, Except when he talks about uh, weirdly uh, Obamacare, because he lies all the time, and makes me mad. Uh, but uh, and and generally speaking, when he's doing his presidential soothing bit, um, I uh, I think he's pretty good. He just he, is, he yeah. hits he hits the guns too hard as a rule in those situations. But his amazing grace uh, in Charleston, I think, was the in many ways the high high watermark of his presidency. So that's the preface to saying I was really kind of pissed off uh, at watching even the little bits that I did. Here today, and, and and here's why he was at a funeral for five police officers in, in in the Dallas Police Department, a funeral for those people. So your job, anyone's job, speaking at a funeral is to comfort the room, to make the room feel that which he did in Charleston. Uh, in many ways, um, he chose it to have a national conversation about race and policing, uh, including long bits, uh, even in the uh, the, uh, the 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 partial bits that I watched, um, kind of talking in a luxury way about how police have to really understand that black lives matter or, you know, people who are criticizing police departments, um, you know, sometimes they go a little bit too far, but, uh, uh rhetorically, but they, you know, they want everyone to be good and they're, they're making legitimate criticisms out there. And we need to think about that, 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 is a strange message to be giving to the Dallas Police Department, not just because they had five of their colleagues executed by someone, um, but also because they're one of the five ten leading police departments in terms of adopting criminal justice reform. As Radley Balco has pointed out uh, quite eloquently in the Washington
1: Post. We had,
0: I mean, five years ago at Reason, we had a big uh, criminal injustice uh, issue, and and granted uh, that's not the most uh, original name, but five years ago it felt really cutting edge. Um, That was A good one. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I mean, it was either that or incarceration nation. Yeah, you know? yeah. Too, <laughs> uh, but uh, we singled out Dallas. I mean, their local uh, uh, DA started opening up cold cases, like they've also done here in Brooklyn with a new DA here, which is great, um, using DNA uh, tests. They fire bad cops. Their use of force incidents have gone way down while crime has also gone down. There is no so-called Ferguson effect in Dallas. So Dallas is held up, should be held up in this moment, not just as a victim of of uh of uh murder execution style murder but my God what horrible horrifying irony and so if you're sitting there as the Dallas police chief who's been great he's been the greatest politician in America this week as yeah, far as I'm concerned way, yeah. I mean he's saying to you know what's it's your not, message not saying
1: much yeah exactly
0: his message to protesters is like uh, file uh, you know apply for a job which is yeah, great exactly. uh, I I think in many ways uh, and uh, to have him and, and the families and and the widows uh, sit there and listen kind of to a lecture about hey, hey you know you police people. Really Really need to listen to the criticism they were listening to the criticisms they were responding to the criticisms and so that thing stuck in my craw and the other thing that stuck in my craw and there's other elements to the speech that were uh questionable um was uh uh, uh the notion <coughs> excuse me um uh uh that Sorry, I've lost my train of thought. Wow. 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 I can, know, I, can I?
1: Can, before I go to, I'm going to throw this to Camille right now, um, but I want to point out that right next to Matt uh, sits a large bottle of uh, Sauvignon Blanc mm-hmm. with his own, like, uh, he brought a little ice pack. It's in a plastic bag. I got Matt is going to take a picture of it, and I think put it on Twitter, Instagram, saying because it is the most pathetic thing I've ever seen, but we're so both drinking it, yeah. so we're getting, a, we're getting into our cups a little bit. Um, Camille. Uh, what do you make of all this? I mean, I I watched bits uh, of it of the
2: of the drinking when I'm when I'm not there. That never happens when yeah, I'm in the studio. Of
1: course it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're like a Seventh Day Adventist. We don't do this stuff around you. Um, so so what do you like the 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 let, let's actually you know what let's bring the focus back a little bit here. We don't want to talk specifically and too much about Obama's uh, speech. It's pretty rote. He tries to please everybody and say that you know things have gotten better for black people. Then Black Lives Matter is important and. You know he's hitting every single note. Um, what do you make about the whole situation? In the panic that followed, I mean, the New York Post had to cover this at civil war. I mean, what's, what's going on? Are we, are we in a civil war? Do we all have to fret and freak out?
2: Yeah, no, I I don't think there's a civil war. I mean, I think there are some rather obvious facts that should be acknowledged up front. Uh, America is, relative to its recent past, a pretty safe place to live. Uh, You are unlikely to be assaulted on the street or killed, uh, and you're certainly unlikely to be assaulted on the street and killed by a member of the opposite race simply because you are a member of the opposite race. That's not really a thing Nothing to be concerned about. Um, I, I think you know just to, to zero in on the the two incidents in Baton Rouge and Minnesota that precipitated, or, or at least happened before um, everything that unfolded in Dallas. Um, those are two cases that are under investigation. We do have video. Um, a lot of us have watched those videos online. I've watched those videos online. It's it's pretty like hairy stuff. It is difficult to watch. Um, But these are cases that are under investigation. I believe in both cases the Justice Department is involved. Um, But that is where it stands. Uh, However awful uh, things may have looked, there will be an investigation. We will learn a bit more about this. Um, And there may in fact be lessons beyond, holy crap, a white cop just shot a black dude. Um, There might be some important uh, subtext for us to take away or some other uh, factor that connects this case to say, um, other, <clears throat> other cases uh, of, of sort of unnecessary, needless loss of life uh, involving citizens and police, uh, what we don't know at all is really whether or not race played any, any, any um, sort of uh, role in this at all. And, and the only thing that anyone could bring to bear when they're making the argument that it definitely did uh, see it's happening again is supposition. These two events, as tragic as they are, do amount to anecdotes Um, and there are anecdotes that you can use to support sort of this well-worn, broken in narrative uh, that black people are being hunted down and killed by the police. Uh, The real question is whether or not um, the facts actually support that. Uh, And that is a, that is a matter of, of some dispute and we can get into that a little bit. And I think it's worthwhile to get into that a little bit, but the the truth is no one knows Like no one actually knows for sure.
0: Yeah. Everyone jumped Um, into that without, I mean, you're right. It was the supposition was immediate. That wasn't questioned at all uh, as as part of this. I remember the thing that I've forgotten. I'm sorry for forgetting, but uh, it was that Obama in his speech said, um, the phrase you know i've been to too many of these and i have to ask the question been to too many of what i mean he's been what are you to, talking about he's been to too many funerals that's what he meant funerals of people who were shot uh in a mass shooting event. He certainly has been into to a lot of those. And I'm sure it feels like too many of those things. So obviously trying to make a gun point here. But in fact, how many of these events have we had of a guy who is explicitly saying, I want to go kill me a whole bunch of white cops, and he's a former what, he's an army, he was a Afghanistan uh, veteran. So he had some skills with a gun. Um We've had one of these, as far as I know. He hasn't been, there's something solipsistic, is that the right way to pronounce that, Moynihan? Um, Solipsistic. To talk about, (laughs) uh, you know, it's about you to begin with. Um, And again, you're there to comfort the people who are there. So let's not hear about your world weariness, and let's not always necessarily tie it to a gun story. He actually said, as part of this, uh, that it's uh, in some communities, it's as easy to buy a Glock as it is a book.
2: I, I, really? Is that, did he actually say that? He said today? that
0: today. I mean, I'm not really? sure what
2: that has to do with anything. He, wow. says, completely... he says it's
0: as easy to buy a Glock as a computer or a book. That was the uh, that was the phrase. Mm-hmm. Now, there's 325 million guns in the country, for sure. That's a lot of guns. But I think there's 325 million books in Michael Moynihan's <laughs> library. <laughs> and, and that's just yeah, the Nazi that's just section. The,
1: that's just the Stalin <laughs> section. That's just the section about Nicaragua. I mean, it's, 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 Camille sent me a story today from The New York Times. And this when, when we talk about this presumption that if a white cop um, shoots a black suspect or not even a suspect, a person of interest, no matter what we want to call it, that it immediately becomes about race and racism. And I, Camille sent me this thing about this, this study, and I was not surprised by the study at all. Uh, saying that, you know, it, there is no uh, bias that these researchers have found in the shooting of suspects, whites versus blacks. They did say that they found bias in force, but not in shootings. What I thought was interesting was the headline in the story. The New York Times said, surprising new evidence shows bias in police use of force, but not in shootings. Surprising new evidence. So the presumption before there was any evidence that it must be bias-related, and the person who wrote the story, wrote the headline, is admitting that in the headline. I mean, think about that this bypasses, most people say, surprising. it's oh, yeah, so surprising. Why is it surprising? Because when mm-hmm. you aggregate the data, as the Washington Post did last year, let's do a little experiment here. We talk about this stuff all the time. We don't talk about data. We talk about feelings. We talk about emotions. You know, I think that the Black Lives Matter, the, the impetus for this movement has um, a lot of things that I agree with. I think the movement in actuality, I disagree with almost every sort of main point because it's a very politicized movement in a different way. But, you know, I, I, I buy it. You know, I, But let's look at some evidence. So, Washington Post last year uh, uh, chronicled every police shooting. They found 950, 900 some This odd, is a police shooting of civilians. Of civilians. Yeah. yeah. And, and now that 900 odd shootings, uh, close to 1,000, this is not differentiating between people with guns, people pointing guns at them, pointing knives, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. People holding hostages, These it doesn't cop matter. It's just
0: bullets into cop bullets in a Cop bullets in a
1: human. <laughs> that's it. Um, of those, um, 90 were people who were unarmed. So people that were being killed, unarmed, 90 of them. Of those, I think 35 uh, were black. Now, the circumstances of those 35 vary greatly between, you know, somebody with a plastic gun, toy gun, somebody in a situation where there's a big mix-up. You know, 35 is 35 too many. I don't think that needs to be said. But we, ladies and gentlemen, Americans, boys and girls, are a nation of 330 million people. Those are 35 incidents. Now, we haven't kept data on this stuff, um, you know, back in the day. How often do you think that happened in New York City in 1975? People are getting shot, you know, with knives but maybe unarmed in every way, maybe armed with I a think, knife, et cetera.
0: I think the number is is uh, close to ninety.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that's no, Jim Epstein yeah.
0: wrote a piece for reason yeah. about that comparing nineteen like seventy-one stats to current stats and and the number of like and the number of cops also yes. uh shot was oh, yeah. was, was like was nine was or through, ten through like, shot and killed in, in the, so,
1: so this idea, and I want to go back to New York again on the 70s and, and for one brief second and then get back to Camille on this one. The thing about this is we do have to keep in mind that... If I were to show you on television every night a crime committed in a minority neighborhood and just an endless loop of that, I suspect it would probably affect the way people thought and it would be a bad effect and it would be a wrong effect and a negative effect based on sort of feeling and emotion, but not based on numbers. The thing that we have to, to realize here is things are getting better. They're getting better crime ways. Oh, my God, we're in a civil war. Oh, my God, America's finished. Do You see the, uh, the New York Daily News had a... You know, goodbye America thing. How many murders were there last year in New York? 300 something? I can't remember. How many murders were there in 1993? Highest watermark, 2, 2,200 yeah. or something like that? Things yeah. are not only getting better, they have gotten dramatically better.
0: Unrecognizably. <clears throat> better.
1: Unrecognizably better. And the thing that we have now is we have GoPros and we have cell phones that have cameras on them that could play. Friggin' Pikachu games or whatever the hell they are. I still haven't figured this out, by the way. The Camille, are you, Camille <laughs> are you playing
0: Pokemon Go on, uh, yeah. on the beach in Lesbos over there? If you go to the Acropolis, I- you find a
1: little boy with a ball. Free
2: him! I- holy cow. Free him, the boy. I plead, I plead the fifth. I plead the fifth. But it's uh, get- I'm not it's, going to uh, talk about that.
1: It's getting better, people. And the idea, one other thing that I want to just finish on is this. The idea that um, the rhetoric about killing cops and this guy said, I got to kill white cops, et cetera. There is nothing new about this in American history. There was a time in the 1960s and 70s where this was a regular occurrence amongst the Black Panthers. And by the way, the Black Panthers celebrated, uh, greatly celebrated, uh, in this PBS documentary that I, that I reviewed, I think it has like a 90% uh, rating on Rotten Tomatoes called Vanguard of the Revolution. Everyone loved it. Got a standing ovation when I saw this opening and, and then PBS played it. Um, this film has people in it that are being interviewed who were involved in the killing and, or the shooting of police officers. They were involved in ambushing police officers. There's a hagiography of people who deliberately said, "We are going to kill police officers." And I pulled a bunch of stuff from, um, and I'll post them online. A bunch of stuff from old Panther Party newspapers. I have the entire collection. In every some good graphic design, the, but this is the graphic design. Yeah. In every single issue, there is a crudely drawn cartoon of people shooting policemen. <laughs> And it's like <laughs> this is not a new thing. I mean, the idea that this guy was like, what was he a member of the Huey Newton Gun Club or something? Was I'm that not, him? No, he was. Maybe he wasn't involved in that. I don't want to.
0: He, he tried to affiliate. There was a Daily Beast story um, uh, saying that uh, there are a couple of organizations that he tried to. Glom yeah, onto, yeah, 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 yeah. The, and they're they're uh, not,
1: even though, even though these like crazy nationalist groups are like, "No, dude, you're yeah, too much, you're too weird." But the idea yeah. of uh, of shooting cops as as some as some sort of new thing. I mean, Panthers used to sing a song called "Off the Pigs." And there's a there's a clip of uh, you can find it online. Of How's it go? Uh, the kids are saying it's, it's, it's kind of a good
2: well, song. before you before you pivot too sharply to Dallas, just to, to, to pivot back to this New York Times story. I mean, the the research, the study is available. Um, it is by a gentleman by the name of Roland Fry. Uh, Roland Fryer, uh, who is a professor of economics over at Harvard, he does a lot of good and interesting work. Um, He is, uh, I mean, appropriately, we should mention the study is not yet peer reviewed. I mean, it is undergoing review. uh, But there is some really interesting stuff here. He he does, as you correctly pointed out, uh, Michael suggests that we aren't seeing, um, he doesn't see a pattern, at least in the specific places where he looked, uh, of cops targeting black people in particular, um, but that he does see Sort of use of force being higher uh, amongst blacks and Hispanics, Um, and what what does higher mean Um, in these particular stats? It's like five uh, blacks were uh, pepper sprays and baton were used on them versus four whites, Uh, and I guess the percentage differential was something like twenty five percent more likely. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So certainly the percentage differentials are high. So there's there's a lot um, to be desired in this study. What's important though is that. This study, uh, limited though it may be, early though it may be, does in fact conform with a lot of the other data that we've seen and a lot of other, the other sort of provisional results that are, that are out there. Um, but as I said a moment ago, like, the truth is that this isn't a surprise, as the headline indicates, um, and as Mr. Fryer himself indicates, because it conflicts with this dense body of established empirical findings and evidence. But it's a surprise because it contrasts so sharply with the established they-out-here-killing-us narrative, with the I-can't-chill-because-I-have-a-black-son narrative, and the fact that that isn't an established fact, that all we really have, again, is supposition. Yes, blacks are killed more frequently, um, disproportionately in terms of their percentage of the population, but they also are dramatically overrepresented in all Of the various crime statistics and oftentimes to a degree that is much higher um, than anything else uh, that somebody might bring up to try to demonstrate that there's some sort of racial bias at work here. Um, That's not to say that there isn't any racial bias. Let me not dismiss it out of hand in this particular context. I will in general, uh, because I don't think I don't think that's really the problem, but let's not do it. Uh, the bottom line is, even if these numbers are wrong, you can't prove it one way or another. You can only suppose. And the fact that everyone is supposing in one particular way, um, I wonder if that doesn't have something to do with the fact that you do see, um, as Mr. Fryer discovers, uh, that there that there are more uses of force, more uh, pushing people against walls, using handcuffs, drawing weapons. Perhaps those situations tend to spin out of control or at least get a, a, a bit more... Um, aggressive because the people who are stopped um, aren't simply stopped with a man. Why me? What a bad day. Um, But they're stopped. And it's a damn. I know why y'all messing with me. Y'all messing with me because I'm black. Um, If you brought that to every single encounter, I mean, how much more high stress is every encounter? Even my best, like desired interactions with police are high stress. They're awful. They are tense. If I am locked out of my car, And I need a police officer to help me get in. This has never happened, but it
0: could. Well, um, that is going on. to be a high-stress situation. Hold on. Hold on, Camille. I, this begs the question, and I'm using that incorrectly because that's what people <laughs> do is they live to point out the incorrect usage of begs the question. You people are bad. <laughs> Stop it. Uh, anyways, uh, this begs the question. Uh, what have your uh, interactions with police been? Because last I look, I know you're not a black man, but you do have dark skin. Uh, I do. And, and uh, so what's, what have, you, uh, have you ever uh, had a high-stress situation dealing with a cop? Uh, I have,
2: actually. I had a really uh, high-stress situation once. I'm driving uh, with my wife, uh, then girlfriend, on uh, 355 in so, Maryland. So you're 13 years old. Not 13, a little older than that. I'm driving legally. And uh, I see cop lights come on, and I don't stop right away. Um, in fact, I pull forward. That's because I rich. drive about two or three blocks. Well, no, it's because I didn't know where to stop. Um, so I pull into a gas station. And before I knew it, um, cops had descended on the car. Uh, there were guns drawn. Whoa! Uh, and I said to my wife, like, don't move. Don't do anything. Um, I sort of put my hands out the window. Uh, the situation became very chill very quickly when he said, why didn't you stop? I said, I didn't know where to stop. Uh, and it got chill. Um, that it, it was tense. I don't know that the guy could actually tell that I was black. The reason he's pulled me over is because I didn't have my headlights on.
0: <laughs> um, uh,
2: you know, now, I mean, granted, that's... I've had... I've had much nastier interactions with the police, um, and, and that's because I'm just – I can be a, a cantankerous son of a bitch sometimes. Dude, the
0: first time I, like, hung out with you was, like, in a TSA yeah. line. I still – i am it's going to take a while for me to get over that. <laughs> yeah. Like, we're late to getting a flight to Switzerland. Don't ask. It's yeah. not important. Yeah. Uh, and Camille's like, I'm not going through that machine you got to do the pat-down so oh, that I Jesus. can give you a fucking lecture oh, about like libertarian theory. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's great. Jesus Christ. I'm, 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 really,
1: he- I'm really sure that the guy from the local community college enjoyed this lecture. <laughs> well, I'm not, sure he's now <laughs> reading fun Mises like, thank you, Camille, for that one day in the line. By the way, on, the, on the, um, um, that study, one of the presumptions, by the way, here is when you say the, the, the stomps. The number of stops and how aggressive the stops are, and they, they break this down by, by racial category. Um, what it never says anything about is the race of the police officer, because the presumption when you look at these That's numbers right. is, is that the, the cop is white. Um, in uh, New York, uh, we have a majority-minority police force in the NYPD, and I mean, in 2006 was the first time— that uh, the NYPD was under fifty percent white. It used to be like this uh, refuge for like uh, Irish and uh, Italian, like outer borough guys who were were cops or beat cops. I mean, look at Serpico. That's not totally wrong. I mean, corrupt cops that were that were like white ethnics, and that's not the case now. So when you talk about these things in you know, for instance, Tonawasis Ta- Coates's book. Where he talks about you know a friend of his or maybe some guy he knew, or Prince, vaguely Prince knew, Jones Prince Jones Prince being Jones. shot by the- cu- by by a cop it's only mentioned in passing if at all i don't remember that the cop who shot him was himself black and these things, I think when we essentialize race as much as we do are relevant it can't only be relevant in one direction it has to be relevant in two directions
0: the, can I, I can I sorry. throw yeah, one sure. more thing
2: out there uh, quickly Radley Balco, um, who has already been mentioned once but but deserves to be name-checked several times uh, during the course of a conversation like this, um, had a phenomenal piece um, after the first of the sort of tragic shootings um, from last week uh, where he talked about (laughs) watching the video and how it's horrible and it's awful um, and how while it may be tragic, um, it is probably a legal shoot uh if i'm not and i'm i'm paraphrasing you should go back and look at uh, radley's
0: piece was it the sterling or the Philan- Philando uh, Castile?
2: i believe this was the sterling the sterling shooting yeah. this was the ge- the gentleman outside of the uh outside of the grocery store where the police officer yells um he's got a gun um and there's sort of a beat and then the fire ha- the firing happens um and and i mean what radley goes on to talk about in this piece is again For me, what I read, and Bradley doesn't say this, is if you are looking at these stories and what you are interested in in every single instance is, and this is, again, just the ones that get broadly reported, uh, and there's a reason why certain stories get broadly reported. We could talk about that, too. Um, But if you're looking at these stories and you're trying to disentangle what's going on and the only pattern you see is, oh, it's race, I mean, obviously it's racial bias, then you miss um, all the other important things that are happening, um, all of the other changes that might need to happen to policy. Um, in terms of what is an acceptable, what is a legal shoot, yeah. um, what is accepted uh, from a societal standpoint, what it, what is reasonable, uh, we may need to have conversations about that, but we don't get around to it and also, uh, because we're yeah. too busy. We're, we're too busy trying to 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 relive the 1960s and to pretend as if we ain't free. Um, and it's just it's just bullshit. And this is and that's the you know I don't want to. I don't want to lay the Dallas shooting squarely at the feet of the Black Lives Matter uh, crowd. I'm it not going to do even that.
0: Be, it shouldn't <laughs> be triangularly. Yeah, I'm
2: not, not going to do that. It was a dude. I'm, yeah, yeah it it's a that. dude, right? It's a dude and it's crazy. But there is something to be said, and I'm not saying but as in to, to lump them in with it. I'm, I'm transitioning here. There is something to be said um, for sort of the cloud of suspicion uh, and obfuscation that's created when they dominate, The conversation around these really important issues that do in fact matter. No, it isn't. You are less likely to be killed by a police officer than run over by a car while walking in a damn crosswalk. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it still matters. It's important. And we're not actually getting to the substance because they are busy working with their sort of favorite likely uh, or possible reason why these things are happening. Uh, and creating a false and phony narrative. Uh, you know what's, and they I, I are culpable yeah, for that.
1: I think that's right. And I think that, 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 that t- to both your points, the first one is there is a video that's going around and at, I at 5 million uh, views on Facebook, a guy named Mike Brown, actually. He, he's something called the No Excuses Foundation. And he's a black guy who uh, is an army vet and a gun instructor. He makes a video demonstrating why the Alton Sterling shooting was justified. And to Radley's point and to your point, you know, it might be by police tactics that this is true. I don't know if it's true. I don't believe it. But let's say that that is actually true. We can go to that place that when we get beyond this kind of, you know, the the racial obsession of the whole thing and say that, you know, that may be the bigger problem. When we look at the Eric Garner case, very few people talk about Mm -hmm. the basic point of this is that Eric Garner was doing something wrong. And it shouldn't be considered wrong. The guy was selling loose cigarettes. The guy was not doing anything, you know, that that merited police intervention. As a matter of fact, He's,
0: there were a lot of people on the left who got really mad at libertarian douchebags right. like Michael Moynihan yeah. for pointing this out, or <laughs> <Libertarian-ish>. Rand Paul, <laughs> also libertarian. Rand Paul, yeah, both right. you guys are libertarianish. Yeah, um, uh, for making this point, they're like, "Oh, it's just about your libertarian laws." No, not and like, at all. That's not the no. only reason. It's also
1: about excessive of police force and the thing is my interaction I think of like my bad interactions with the police I mean I had a cop like throw me on the ground and arrest me because he thought I made fun of him You know, I, which I might have actually done um, <laughs> fuck him I can do whatever the hell I want I'm a free man uh, in Kansas City, Missouri, I was thrown on the ground and it was like incredibly aggressive, some meathead 25 year old cop all jacked up and you know, tattoos all over his arms and everything and was just looking for trouble. And the problem often, which is obscured to Camille's point, is obscured by the racial discussion, which by the way does not mean that the racial discussion shouldn't happen ever but it, we should not be singularly <laughs> focused on it, is the fact that the police uh, really love exercising power. And for, I mean, remember, people tend to forget this now, but I I think police have gotten it through their heads by and large it used to be the fact that when you started recording the cops they would invariably come over to tell you just to stop
0: and or just take it from you take it from me. you and yeah. then
1: delete the footage or do whatever they could do like that happens a lot less now yeah. um so i mean the good thing is is this contracting idea of police power, the the technology is allowing us to sort of check police power. And this has always been the big problem is that cops, you know, this is the argument. And again, the third time with Radley, we should maybe have him on the show uh, of the militarization of the police is when you give police big army toys, they like to use them. When you give them guns, they sometimes like to use them. They like to draw them, especially when, you know, you give them a hard time. They love putting that chokehold on you, putting down. This isn't across the board, of course, but, Police power is sometimes the bigger problem.
0: You know what's weird is uh, – so I, I go on MSNBC with some frequency, and I was on uh, this past weekend on Joy Reid's show, and I was on with some Black Lives Matter people um, – whose names I won't uh, mention because I, I will always uh, get them wrong and uh, this is terrible. You know what I did? <laughs> this is great. On, on this appearance, I was making a, the, the kind of points you guys are making, uh, focusing things on power. Uh, I actually made a, a, a point against hate crimes on MSNBC. Uh, oh, dear which God. Which was... Uh, and, and did I'd they like, escort you from I, the building? I, I survived. Yeah. But in, in, as part of the hate crimes thing, I uh, instead of, I said instead of Dylan Roof, I call him D- Dylan Matthews. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. So accused, oh, my Box.coms Dylan Matthews of being a racist murderer, and oh I, I have God. no, I have no regrets. Yeah. Not, even, not even one bit. Uh no, that's not true. Yeah. Um, uh, but anyways, I was talking with a um, don't don't. I just showed d- Matt don't don't. I just showed show picture. picture. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I, no, but tweet uh, at
1: me, I'll tell you the picture that I showed him. Go. But
0: uh, <laughs> but uh, I I talk a lot with uh, Black Lives Matter activists who tend to also be Campaign Zero activists, and ask yourself this question: How come we don't ever really talk about Campaign Zero? Explain Campaign Zero, man. Campaign Zero. I uh, mean, Black Lives Matter is a decentralized movement. It was a hashtag. That's how it got started, and people sort of. Um, uh, associated themselves with it. It's kind of like a Tea Party in its original forms. It's like you can't. There isn't a leader. Um, not even Duray is is the leader, despite his very glam uh, shot getting arrested in Baton Rouge, uh, which is pretty awesome. But um, but Campaign Zero is kind of the legislative arm of it. It is that's what they're trying to do in recommendations of cops, and those people do good work. They came out with a report about ten days ago, two weeks ago. Talking about all the onerous police union rules that protect bad cops and and uh, allow things like in Louisiana, if you're involved in an officer-involved shooting, um, you get to not be interviewed if you don't want to be for 30 days. So There's like a cooling off period, that type of thing, which is kind of ridiculous if you think about it from an investigative point of view. So they do these good and – they, and they're focused on – issues of power and not just race. They're focused on the rules that protect, uh, you know, bad DAs, bad prosecutors and bad cops of giving them a de facto or sometimes real immunity. They're focused on that kind of stuff. And, and so I have these uh, conversations in the green room And the campaign zero people are super frustrated uh, precisely because the conversation isn't about Lucy's. They get the Lucy argument very much so. They're like, hey, look, stop and frisk was a gun thing. I mean, I had a very good conversation with a Black Lives Matter protester about stupid progressives and their (laughs) and how they love their, uh, you know, last week before all this stuff happened, they were all talking about how can we make gun control stronger? Um, And when you make gun control stronger, you increase the number of. Of interactions, pointless, potentially violent interactions, usually not, but sometimes they are, potentially violent interactions with cops. Uh, that's what stop and frisk is, a gun control measure. That is the whole justification for it, sure. not even weed. That's what got the money from it. Uh, so it's this weird thing, because it's called Black Lives Matter, which on one hand is a very potent, and I, in my uh, estimation, a potent reminder of the dignity of individuals who for too often were ignored. And I can hear Camille, uh, you know, clenching is Retsina there, but in terms of a of a of a media conversation? Why
1: do you break the grappa bottle, my friend?
0: <laughs> uh, it's a it's a it's a statement of the dignity of the individual, but it's also uh, it's shoehorning so much. Conversation and especially when the conversations around solutions, how do you fix it? Yeah, race has almost nothing to do with how you fix it. It yeah, really does. See, that's
2: actually a very Although good the question. Yeah, is ahead. whether those, those kids are at all interested in how you fix it, uh, uh yeah. either in any sort of meaningful sense. I mean, honestly, Matt, I mean, when I've had interactions with them, like occasionally we, we start to get into solutions when I try to get them to set aside. Um, Their preconceptions about what is obviously happening here from their standpoint, that is in quotes. You guys can't see me because I'm not in the room, but obviously is in quotes. Um, They're less interested. um, And they really do view uh, people who aren't willing to put that front and center and talk about it as part of the problem. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little concerned about that. And I also am very skeptical of the notion that those people haven't been paid attention to. They've, uh, they've been holding the mic for a very, very long time.
1: Can, can I say something that is going to make me sound like, uh, I have to preface this because I suspect I'll probably sound like Bill O'Reilly or something here. I was just looking for something while you guys were talking. Uh, and I went to the black lives matter website, which is blacklivesmatter.com. And there's a, it, probably it brought me to this this catch-all page called Get Involved. And this is the official Black Lives Matter organization founded by Patrice Cullers, Opal Tometti, who I believe was in Venezuela. Racist. Well, she was in Venezuela. I remember her, she was in Venezuela supporting the Maduro regime. And Aliza Garzi, Garza, Elisa Garza. And on the Black Lives Matter home, blacklivesmatter.com. There is a quote, it is our duty to fight for our freedom, it is our duty to win, we must love each other and support each other, we have nothing to lose but our chains. A quote from Asada Shakur, if you don't know this already, she lives right now in Cuba, and the reason she lives in Cuba is she escaped from police custody where she was in prison for executing a policeman. So, you know, I mean, if the Black Lives Matter movement, what? I do not, I do not in any way, in any way, let me make this very, very clear, blame the Black Lives Matter movement in any way. For what happened in Dallas, because we people have to have consistency on this thing. You complain, complain, complain when I see people on the, on the conservatives complaining, you know, this guy's this abortion guy who shoots up the thing in, in, in Colorado. The, the rest of us aren't to blame. OK, sure enough. He's a batshit crazy guy. The same thing is true here. <laughs> but if you want to avoid this perception that, you know, you're just, you know, instinctively hostile to the police. The blacklivesmatter.com web page, which I just came across is not some I'm not, you know, I haven't been saving this to say it. I literally just saw this has a big fat coat quote from Asada Shakur on its homepage. Um, That is a bit troubling because Asada Shakur is um, a cop killer. Like it just said legitimately a cop killer.
2: Can I, can I toss one more thing sure. out there on this? Uh, this is, uh, a bit of a deviation, but you, you reminded me of something. I've heard so many terrible, terrible arguments from, uh, conservatives, uh, in recent weeks. Um, and this is not, not white conservatives, just conservatives writ large, uh, law and order conservatives who say things like, well, you know, if they, if black lives matter, you know, they really ought to be concerned about black on black violence, um, and, and, you know, black on black crime. That, that's the real issue. Um, I, I, I find that phrase so intensely frustrating. And, and first, the first point is, don't go there. Like, we don't have to. Uh, I don't know that race is the principal issue here. doesn't really seem like that's the appropriate point. Uh, but the truth is that black-on-black crime and white-on-white crime, uh, crime is local. Like, violent crime tends to happen within a community. Uh, and I don't know that the unique character uh, of black-on-black crime is that the perpetrator and the, the victim happened to be black. Uh, black people aren't targeting each other uh, in, in Detroit or on the south side of Chicago or in any other area where you have um, really high crime uh, and concentrations of, of black people um, there. Um, I get it. I get the, the, the instinct to respond to a tribalist argument like Black Lives Matter, a, a tribalist argument that no one actually disagrees with. No one thinks black lives don't matter that is important to, to note. Um, but it is really, really silly. I think there's, I think there's probably some people that think that. <laughs> it, well, there, there may be some, but no one likes those people. Yeah, well, they, yeah. Those people don't actually have any power. I hope that's true. No yeah. one likes those people. Yeah. Um, but but black-on-black but black crime and, and paying attention to, to, this, to this notion that you need to pay attention to black-on-black black crime first, I, I do think it's absurd. I do think it's a distraction. There is something there is something that is happening in certain communities that makes them more prone to violence. Um, it isn't their blackness. Um, it isn't their whiteness. Uh, it is almost certainly something more meaningful than that. It might be their blackness or whiteness. You'll have to make that argument. I've seen zero evidence to support that. Um, I've seen a lot of reasons why the, the drug trade, for example, is different in Chicago uh, than it is on like Wall Street in Manhattan. Um, and I suspect that that has a hell of a lot more to do with the the level of and the nature of the crime that we see in certain areas um, than the race of those people. So it, it is a, I hate that argument. I find it deplorable. Um, stop using it.
1: I, I think that's right. And should we at this point? I mean, I I think that um, this minefield, of this issue, um, that you know, I mean, I I want Princess Diana to come, come over and like, uh, you know, start a charity because this is such a minefield of talking about, that's, you know, for the kids in the 90s, we'll get that joke. The, the This issue, police shootings, race, et cetera, um, I have seen it um, this week amongst friends, amongst colleagues, um, talked about in this very sort of, uh, uh, this gingerly talked about to, to make sure that uh, uh, nobody offends anybody else. Um, but we have a more offensive thing that's going on uh, in the world right now, and that's the, um, the 2016 uh, presidential race. Uh, do we want to talk about this? Should we? Should we talk about Veepstakes? Should we talk about Bernie Sanders uh, 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 with Hillary uh, in New Hampshire in the woods today? Um, what, what do we want to talk about, guys? Do, do we? I'm kind of sick of it, you know?
0: I want to talk about fucking Barbara Boxer.
1: You want to talk about fucking her? Yeah, oh, it's time. Oh, God, it's that's time. so gross. Oh, uh, go ahead. No, uh,
0: we, uh, we actually have a, a, a limited uh, time frame here, um, sadly. <laughs> uh, but Barbara Boxer singled out my employer on the Senate floor today. That's an honor. To, it, to praise them, right? Uh, <laughs> she says uh, we're one of the sham groups that are funded by Big Oil. Oh, are you funded by Big Oil? <laughs>
1: By the way, is there little oil? Is there like a mom and pop oil that's like funding her? Well, I I've just been funding the boxer campaign. The with my boxers,
0: like the Pelosi's, uh, are some of the uh, the, uh, the 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 bigger families uh, in the, the yeah. history of uh, California. Uh, no, these uh, she name checked us along with the Hoover Institute and the, and the Pacific Legal Foundation, I think, uh, as. Uh, one of these uh, organizations that are puppets of the big fossil fuel industry. Um, she did this as part of a uh, uh, a two day festival against free speech uh, by nineteen Democratic uh, senators. It was called Web of Denial. They had hashtags, obviously Web of Denial, and it's I think it's like time to call them out. And it was uh, this heavy breathing exercise to uh, say that there's a bunch of Koch brothers. People and ExxonMobil who are out there trying to uh, uh, make money by saying that uh, the climate uh, change doesn't exist. You guys know Reason a little bit better than Barbara Boxer does. Barbara Boxer, by the way, Reason has been headquartered in um, California since 1971. So we're talking about a constituent.
1: Yeah, and its science co- correspondent is Ron Bailey, who believes that climate change exists. By yes. just want to point that out, that Ron, uh, at the, uh, a long time ago, and I really like Ron, he's a great guy and a totally honest guy and a straight shooter, and he was uh, skeptical 20 years ago, became less skeptical, and then he said, look, guys, the um, evidence exists, and, and that's that, period, end of story. Uh, so I, it's very strange that— yeah. Every single month— So what is the big argument from her here?
0: Uh, there wasn't one. There wasn't one. The, the argument There's was no that argument. we're one of these sham groups. Um, we get their paychecks from big oil— um, and Do you then, get a paycheck for Big Oil? Uh, I don't. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, and uh, and she said that uh, uh, the uh, we that the Reason Foundation churns out. Let me get the exact quotes here. It's very important. Um, uh, this is the one thing that's actually specific to reason in this whole thing, but there's three groups that she mentions and then like lumps us together with this whole thing. But then the reason foundation has been churning out materials to raise uncertainty. Okay. (laughs) So Ron Bailey has been writing that climate change is happening. It's important and man is causing it. And he's been writing that since 2005. Um, (laughs) Uh, yet we are uh, churning out materials that is uh, raising uncertainty. The problem with all of this kind of stuff, I don't really mind. I mean, it's funny um, that uh, that you get name-checked like this, and it's also funny that the person who's su- supposed to be um, – uh, representing you is uh, lying about you and saying that you're a puppet of, of uh, oil. We haven't taken money from ExxonMobil, to my knowledge, since 2006, mm-hmm. 2007, uh, maybe. It, I it. mean,
1: my, my, my theory, my, my, my idea on this, and by the way, we are up a very, a very hard break tonight. Yeah, so we right. only have a couple minutes left. Yeah. But I would say this is that I don't care. And this, this everyone should always, <laughs> I think, should should understand that funding makes no difference. And here's why funding makes no difference. Uh, You know, if the American Nazi Party funded a breakthrough diabetes study (laughs) and it proved something that we had long suspected but didn't actually know, now we have the proof, it doesn't matter. The thing is, can this stuff be replicated? And, you know, the idea that, you know, if Exxon funds something, if big oil funds something, if pharma funds something – we are a country in which other researchers will try to replicate these studies, and if they replicate them, we'll move forward in you know, action or depending on you know, whatever it might be in whatever field it is. So the idea – I, I find this is so common amongst people. They say, oh, those studies are bought and paid for by so-and-so. Do you really think – That There is a conspiracy so immense, to quote uh, Senator Joseph McCarthy, that everybody is producing fake studies that all match up with one another based on some donation from some big mustache-twisting evil billionaire who wants to destroy the planet. You know, if we say 99% of uh, scientists say X— well, that would su- suggest that 99% of scientists on, on, on climate change are not corrupted by the money of big oil. The fact that only 1% seem to be corrupted by this would suggest that it's not that big of a problem.
0: And what they say in their, in their press releases and other things is that the impetus of this is that all this bogus sham science is blocking much-needed action in the, sen- in the Senate. What they're admitting no, why. is their own <laughs> impotence. Yeah, that's not why. It's really not why yeah. – at all. Look, the fact is that I know some people say, like, oh, well, you,
1: it's not a big deal. You say it's not a big deal. Uh, but X number of people don't believe it's true. Look, X number of Americans believe a lot of dumb things. They believe in homeopathy. There's not a homeopathy <laughs> lobby. They believe in uh that GMOs are killing us. Uh, there's not a Vandana Shiva anti-GMO lobby that is, you know, you just flooding the zone and destroying us. There is an instinct that Americans have to believe things that they want to believe, you know, whether there's a, a scientific consensus or not. So it doesn't matter how much money you put into it. It doesn't matter, you know, that six people pay eight billion dollars to to you know juice some study. People believe stupid things. It's actually the last piece that I wrote uh for the Daily Beast to uh, explain and what I was trying to explain. Donald Trump's rise, and I explained it by saying that you know people believe bullshit and they like bullshit and there's no way of dissuading people from bullshit. Okay, we uh we uh, we are engineer
0: We're being we're being uh let out in wow. handcuffs here. He's really, really
1: these impressive. white
0: lives do not matter. No. <laughs> God,
1: I, I think like if, if he could see if it was if he's got the Skype in there with the video and can see that Camille's black, I think it's racist.
0: Yeah. yeah. I
1: think we should I know Camille doesn't Except think he's he not black. Yeah. Well, yeah, but you know who thinks he's black? Everybody in Greece. So. <laughs> <laughs> My friend and Camille Foster, we love you from the Mykonos. Have a bit of the Ouzo. The punch the babies. Save the EU, my friend. Thanks for joining us. So you're going to be back next week, right?
0: Uh, we'll see. I don't know. Oh, God, you, you, you better be because Michael and I are gone. So. Yeah,
1: somebody's got to do it. We're going to be in Cleveland. We'll do a We're special a show from Cleveland. We're going to do a special show from oh, Cleveland. it's going to be We'll awesome. organize. It's going to be great. All right, people. Matt Later, Welch. Guys. Camille Foster. Our listeners, we love you, and we'll see you next time on The
0: Fifth Column. We know of new methods of attack. The Trojan Horror, The Fifth Column.